2020. I almost said 2019 to start, but no, this is another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, another Oscar race checkpoint, and the biggest one yet because we are revealing our predictions for the Oscar nominees that will be revealed to you this coming Monday, bright and early on the 13th of January. Uh, Mike and I have done a ton of research, and we're going to reveal to you our picks for what we think gets nominated for the Academy Awards. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. How do you feel right now? Because I feel terrible. I, f- I, I mean, it's a whole year of work, and there's not a nomination that I like. Uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definite. I'm even yeah. talking myself out of the safest bets. Right, right. I've put maybe, I honestly, 25 hours of work into research the last two days. I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel like none of it matters. I feel like we're going to just whiff on a bunch of easy stuff. And then, like, I don't know, Abominable will be nominated for Best Picture. And I'll be like, of course Abominable is nominated for Best Picture. It's a shortened award season. <laughs> it's a shortened calendar. There's a lot of wrenches. There's a lot of variations thrown into this. But it, it's fun to talk about. I, I really had fun putting this together. I know you did as well because yeah. you really sunk your teeth into some stats. I'm a lunatic. I really sunk my teeth into some tallies, yes. which is just a obsessive so this was an outlet for ocd this was this was a lot of fun and it was enabling of a lot yes. of different yeah. other things that's a good way to put it yeah not it that was... ocd is enabled it should be enabled but whatever it, 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 i have issues this wasn't healthy this, this didn't help not us healthy. Not is healthy what we're saying Correct. here but this is what we are doing today going to do a little a uh, little bit of a change up from how we have historically done the oscar nomination prediction show because honestly mike we've gone category by category pretty much five of our last seven Oscar race checkpoints here. Yes, so we're bringing back a segment that you guys love, that you clicked on like crazy from an earlier Oscar race checkpoint episode. It's called The Five Golden Questions, and basically we ask the five big burning you know, inquiries into this event and just break it down segment by segment. So you're going to get scattershot predictions from us, but I think this is more fun. It, I think it gets boring when we uh, we just, like, list shit. Yeah, it gets hard to follow, too, yeah. quite frankly. I mean, we're trying to avoid just listing stuff, and there's going to be some listing. That's And this is the internet, after all. It <laughs> runs on cats and lists. So you're going to get some of that from us. And But we're going to have those five big questions to start off, and then we're going to ask you know some runoff questions from there. We're going to try to get as much information about every category, or at least as many categories as we can um the only categories mike and i didn't dabble in and don't have predictions for are the two short categories documentary short three animated short three short you don't even know how many short I, I, I it's been, it feels like a billion o'clock to live, me right action. Now. live action short too yeah okay so three short categories we didn't do uh everything else we we have covered and do have predictions for uh god willing fingers crossed we're going to be posting those on our social media if i can figure out a way to do that without wanting to throw my laptop through a window after staring at it for three days in a row with very little sleep so that's going to be our plan for this. 50 Hopefully- tweets in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully you're listening to this before the 13th and you can match up and then you can feel free to hop on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and yell at us for how wrong we were. But 
Until then, for the weekend, these are our predictions, and we're going to start with our first big question of the night, the first golden question, and it has to do with Best Picture. The big question, does the Academy stay under 10 nominees, or do they break double digits for the first time since 2011, Michael? All right, so we've broken down the major contenders here for a while. To refresh your memory, I think the BAFTA, the PGA, confirmed a big five, the Golden Globes to an extent. Number one is 1917 now on your power ranking. So I thought that was very interesting that you actually boosted that ahead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but you're reading the room, it makes sense. So winning the Golden Globe, it has the momentum. Yeah. I don't know that the stats necessarily back that up. It's just kind of a gut feel right now. And also, I don't want to be yelled at for being called a homer for putting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood first. So I put it second. All right. Well, second <laughs> is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Irishman is still third for the both of us, I would say. I just think to an American. American Academy. Yes, I that agree. makes more sense at the moment. That's your compromise candidate this year, isn't it? <sighs> I yeah. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask questions we don't didn't prepare at a time. <laughs> Just give me a question off the cuff about the Irishman being the compromise candidate for the biggest award of the night. I can't handle it. I can't cope, man. All right. Sorry, folks. Sorry. <laughs> Parasite is my four right yes, now. Yes, agree. <laughs> Joker's my five. And that's the BAFTA five. Those are the five that we kind of yeah. are sure are going to be, if nothing else, in this crazy storm that is award season, we can hold fast to those being the pillar in the middle of the sea. Sure is a strong word, but <laughs> you're right. Uh, number six, we have Jojo Rabbit's seven marriage story. They've been getting a lot of precursors. Yeah, they each got enough precursor nominations to the point where we'd probably say they're safe. Jojo is higher on that list because it landed both the vaunted SAG Ensemble nom as well as Taika Watiti having the top prize at the DGA right. or at least being nominated for that, the Director's Guild. So JoJo 6, Marriage Story 7. So recent noms would suggest that it's just as strong as ever. It's that middling candidate. Yeah. And recent buzz, on the other hand, is saying that it's losing a little steam, that maybe the Academy's not going to go for the convoluted uh, themes, I would say, and the feelings going into those themes. But we're about to find out. Number eight for you on your power ranking it's going to be lower for me is ford v ferrari i agree with you putting it lower if you get down to the resume and look behind the scenes i don't think it has a stronger resume as some other things and other movies we're going to talk about but i know where i'm getting my nominations with ford v ferrari from right mm -hmm. i know the sound guild is probably going to go gaga over it uh that's probably going to boost it up so i just feel safer that it's more a tradition a more traditional academy pick and i think it's going to be there in the best picture field it's going to get four or five technical noms yeah. almost for certain so those branches are going to support it that's good oscar logic right there i i was surprised to see its resume being weaker than i thought it was it same got here pga it got all the top, top 10 lists to start the year and to start the season but PGA and Critics' Choice and, you know, SAG, Bale, that's it in terms of the big stuff. Agree, agree. Uh, it's it's surprisingly, and, you know, I mean, what what is big stuff? We're talking about those precursor award shows. Obviously, the Cinema Audio Society did very well. So the lesser, you know, undercard, let's call them, award shows, it's, it's showing up. But as far as the major precursors, yeah, it's not the heavy... Mm -hmm. Uh, repeat shower upper. I'm out of words, Mike. I don't know how to speak. <laughs> Number nine is Little Women. Uh, and that seems to be surging a little bit after the BAFTA noms. And we like that. We're fans of that. We're happy to see that. We're happy to see that. I think it should be higher, but that, that's okay for now. I, I think it's a good sign, in my opinion, that these two bodies with the largest crossover between one another, out of all these shows, the BAFTAs and the Academy Awards, you know, we, we got a bunch of BAFTA noms out of Little Women. So that makes some sense to have it in here 
hopefully it's a late breaker. We shall see. I echo everything you say, and I, we have our fingers crossed for it, but we might have our fingers crossed a little more heavily for something else, right, Michael? 10 on your power rankings is Knives Out, and I would say that this is sneakily strong, and you're going to get into why, but the WGA, the BAFTA original screenplay noms, coupled with the PGA tab for best picture, where is it in that top 10? We don't know, but it is in that top 10 at the PGA. Yeah, so look, I'm going to try to explain why I think the Academy is going to go for 10 nominations and why I have Knives Out as my 10th nominee. I went back and forth on this. Look, full disclosure, I don't think the Academy does this, right? I I, I don't think they do. But the history, yeah. and I officially predicted yeah. that it will happen because the history is on Knives Out's side mm -hmm. here to be nominated and have this full field of 10 best pictures. Look, uh, I know what you're thinking. Knives Out had a great year, and also it's probably going to be the first name on the chopping block if best picture is less than 10 noms. I think both of those statements are, in fact, true. Uh, in fact, the first time I filled out my ballot, I had nine nominees, and Knives Out wasn't even my 10th spot. I had the two posts above it. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, like many people, it had a great year. It showed up a lot of places. It's a fun movie, but it'll fall short when it comes to best picture time. I didn't realize just how great a year the film actually did have and how historically significant that year was. Let me try to explain to people why history suggests Knives Out may be a lock for a best picture nom at this point. The great year is actually quantifiable. As far as major guild and precursor awards go, Knives Out has landed nomination in the top prize category of the Producer Guild Awards, the Writer Guild Awards, and Ace Eddie, the Editing Guild Awards. Mm. It was a Best Picture nominee at the Golden Globes, and it was picked by the National Board of Review as one of the 10 best films of 2019. Now, it had numerous other accolades, obviously, but let's focus on those precursors for purposes of this discussion. That's a stronger resume than Ford v. Ferrari. It is, quite frankly. It did just, I mean, objectively, for major precursors, it is. So the American Cinema Editors Award, or the Ace Eddies, uh, they used to only have one category for best edited feature film up until 1998-99. Starting in 99-2000, they had two categories mimicking the Golden Globes. They had best edited feature film comedy or musical, best edited feature film drama. Since that year, there's been a total of 203 films. I told you I did a lot of research. Mm -hmm. 203 films exactly nominated for one of the <laughs> Ace Eddie top prizes. Of those 203, I went through and found the films which were not only nominated for the Eddie Top Prize, mm. but also obtained nomination for the TAP category at the Producer Guild Awards, the Writer Guild Awards, was nominated for Best Picture at the Gold Globes, and as well as films who were selected in the top 10 films of the year by the National Board of Review. So That's in other words, a lot of crossover. My God, you must be insane. I'm, I haven't slept in days. I looked for <laughs> films, in other words, matching Knives Out's resume. Then I cross-referenced those films that fit all those categories with ones who still did not make the best picture field at the Oscars. Mm. There's only been four since the Ace Eddie's expanded in 99-2000. Only ever been four films, and they all happened in consecutive years, probably not so coincidentally, starting with the year the Eddie's expanded their categories. Being John Malkovich in 99-2000, Billy Elliot in 2000-2001, Moulin Rouge in 2001-2002, and the last such film, the last time this happened, a film with these accolades and precursors, didn't make the Oscars Best Picture film, was Adaptation 2002-2003. Mm. Let me put this another way. 
Of all the films in the past 20 years ever successfully landing nomination in the top categories of the PGAs, WGAs, Ace Eddies, Golden Globes, and being selected by the NBR as a top 10 film of the year, only four were not Oscar's Best Picture noms. The last time it happened was 17 years ago or seven full years prior to the Oscars expanding Best Picture to include up to 10 nominees. Mm -hmm. I know the Oscars have only ever had 10 noms for Best Picture two times, and I actually think Knives Out is left out if there's any less nominations this year than 10. I think it'll be on the chopping block. I think Ford v. Ferrari, like I just explained, is more of an Oscars picture. But there are enough different branches of the Academy involved in the various guilds cited in the Knives Out case that make me believe my initial thought of excluding the film was incorrect and that Knives Out actually breaks through as the 10th Best Picture nominee when Oscars noms are announced Monday. So, Mike won, you'll say, fearful of the undeniable power of the evidence I brought forth. <laughs> How is Knives Out going to be a Best Picture nominee if it's only landing at most one other nomination? Don't Best Picture noms have more than two generally? Well, rude listener who's interrupting me, <laughs> theoretically, since the Best Picture category expanded to 10 possible noms, The Post, Selma, mm -hmm. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Exploitative, yep. The Blind Side, <laughs> and A Serious Man are all films that have landed Best Picture nominations while only having a single other nomination on the night. And it also means I may have some other surprises in some other categories for you. There's my case, Michael. Oh, wow. Bravo, bravo, <laughs> bravo. Uh, I think you you quoted my lines. You read you read your lines. You read my lines. You were like Scarlett Johansson in front of Laura Dern during Marriage Story right there. I'm seeing four of you. You <laughs> should be. I'm proud of you, though, because I also like your argument. And I like the fact that you're behind Knives Out here. It's a movie we both loved. It's a movie that you had an inclination about all year, yeah. saying that if it's beloved by everyone, why not the Academy too? Doesn't that make sense? Just take away all the award season, all the fluff, yeah. all the stats, just on a base level. So few people have had issue with this film. Don't we want to recognize the ones that are most pleasing to the most people? I would think so. <laughs> now, mathematically speaking, and yeah. I'm not going to give you the explanation here, I barely understand it myself, but mathematically speaking, 10 nominees is very tricky. There's, yes. There's a small margin where, where this actually happens. So I was wondering if you might be right about Knives Out, but we're both kind of wrong about Ford v. Ferrari, because I would probably agree with you, that would be the ninth guess. That, that would be number nine for me as well, still. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think you're onto something. I guess you could throw Little Women in there. I, I think what we're saying is the top seven we feel pretty confident about, and then there's a big drop-off in confidence. I feel very confident about the top seven. I just rewatched Joker again and again uh, the last couple of days, and I, I up the grade yeah. to a B plus. I just think there's... You got over the initial shock and the initial disdain. Yeah, there's yeah. time in between my rewatches, right? And it's strange to watch this with kind of new eyes. Mm -hmm. And I, I stand by what we said about the themes. I just think the screenplay makes a little more sense to me now that I'm focused on the narrative devices and I see a few more tricks he's making with those narrative devices. He's tipping them off pretty heavily, which I don't love. But anyway, I do think Joker's solid in there and I think more craft people are going to like it. I'll echo what you're saying. I was surprised how many nominations I had ended up giving Joker at the end of this, and that's going to be one of the last things we talk about is final tallies. And I do think Little Women sh is showing signs of a late break
Breaker. I think it's a movie that we both love. Yes. And I think at the end of the day, for some of these final nominations, we're just trusting our taste, right? So yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to say, based on me and based on how we're thinking, Little Women's going to get in there. I, I, I can rationalize that fact. Yeah, I agree. The only caveat I would put to that is that if we're talking about what film is first on the chopping block, yeah. I think it is that group of Knives Out, Little Women, Ford v. Ferrari. I think those are the ones that are very most fungible, let's so say. So I'm sure we'll both be wrong, and to the two popes and the farewell will Abominable! Gonna make the best picture fit, yeah. <laughs> Missing Link, and, you know, Portrait of a Lady on <laughs> right. Fire will exactly. shock the world. And all these things will happen in best picture. But you have that 10, and I have the 8, cut off Knives Out, cut off Ford v. Ferrari. I think it's going to go back to 8. That seems to be the number that... That pops up the most, so I like I'm gonna have a kind of a safe bracket most of the way down, I think. And that this is just me being a coward again. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I would call it a smart bet. Uh, we I have not seen many people predict ten. I don't think I've seen anyone predict ten nominees yet. Quite frankly, uh, a lot of people are saying eight or nine. Again, I don't know that it necessarily does happen. I'm going to predict it does happen because I, you know, I have no guts, no glory here. But I think when we look back in 2019, we're going to look back on it very reverent. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a standout year for movies. It's been a great year for film, certainly better than 2018. So if any year kind of deserved to have the full yeah. 10 in recent memory, it's this year, I think. I like that too. That's an optimistic viewpoint from you. If you're like Humpty Dumpty on the fence on the wall right now. Trying to call me fat? No, you're definitely going to tip over. You're down. You're you're falling off the wall. There's no doubt about that. But there, you're kind of almost on the wall still. Yeah, right off the wall and directly into the rabbit hole, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's just the first segment, folks. <laughs> All right. To remind you, Mike's going with 10. He's got four V Ferrari knives out in there. I'm going with eight. Cut him out. The last point I wanted to make was to remind you guys of how they voted for these last year and every year, I guess. We we went through a full explanation on last year's show. Yeah. It's the only reason I remember it. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> We said that, uh, and I don't know if it's even true. No, Nothing we, said, we said, it's just spitting nonsense. We said that uh, basically everybody picks top fives, and yes. that's the first ballot for Best Picture. So I kind of went with my gut and said, 4v4i is not going to wind up on enough top fives. You say it's got enough technical love yeah. where it could. And I said Little Women could crack into a lot of the top fives because I love it. I, I, th I figure Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story has that kind of love as well. I don't think Knives Out quite has that love. Yeah, there's might. there's a magic number that these films all have to hit in the first round of nomination. Collider actually had a wonderful video about it. Our buddy Ken Knapsack uh, narrated the whole thing, yes. so definitely go seek that out. We explained it again on last year's prediction show if you want to go for a further explanation there. Uh, but th that's, that's best picture. That's question number one, Mike. My God. Number two, who are the safest bets... And I hate this category now. I hate this golden question. I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm rattled. All right. Let's go down the list a little bit here. Director has four. Bong Joon-ho, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Sam Mendes. Yeah, these these are safe. And, and nobody knows who number five is going to be. Correct. Actor has four now, we think. Phoenix Driver, yes, DiCaprio, yes, Taron Egerton. Yeah, I think we're both going to have a surprise for that fifth nominee. But yes, again, these four seem safe as far as Egerton goes. Why is it safe? We went further in depth about that on a recent show. But to summarize it shortly, if you win the Golden Globe and you get nominated for the SAG and the BAFTA, you get into the Oscars field. All right. Zellweger and Johansson are safe in Actress. Is Charlize Theron safe? I ask you. I know you did a little research. Yeah, look, I don't have a stat or a trend that kind of 
confirms that, but she's gotten nominated at the major precursor, Globes, Critics' Choice, SAG. Her film landed a fairly shocking SAG ensemble nom as well. If nothing else, all of that at least points to her performance having support in the acting branch, which is the branch that obviously nominates the acting categories here. I'll tell you honestly, the name I'm more weary of for Best Actress is ScarJo, hmm. but it's it's going to take someone with stronger resolve than me to seriously predict she's going to miss. And trust me when I say I really tried to find the precedent to suggest that she would miss. It's just not out there. So you did go down literal <laughs> rabbit holes here. Yes. Yes. I have a lot more research that I'm not commenting on. <laughs> That's, I mean, the amount of that you put in the paper here. I didn't stop until you walked in the door. <laughs> I do believe you. All right. Adapted screenplay. I think, the, I think that whole category is locked, to be honest with you. And I feel terrible about it, but I think it's true. Irishman, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Two Popes. Mike, I want it to be locked because I don't want to read any more books. <laughs> And you have read those. I have not. So credit to you this year. I realize, and I think we both feel this way, I realize that as I say this, because I'm in fact saying it, it will absolutely not happen this way. But if we're talking about confidence in categories overall, one through five, Mm -hmm. I think this is the strongest I feel about all five noms in a single category. I don't know what movie sneaks in to upset these five. The only other possible nominee I can see is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which did in fact land the WGA Adapted Screen play nom but i have other reasons on my ballot coming up why i couldn't include that so i I didn't include it here i agree with you irishman little woman joker jojo two popes i will be fairly surprised if it's not those five all right a little bit out of order but supporting actor i put it here because it's another category that might be locked up i'm gonna say four definites brad pitt joe pesci al pacino and tom hanks correct Let's just say I have something to say about supporting right, actor so coming up. I can't say Hopkins here, even though I am picking Anthony Hopkins. I'll let you guys know that now, which I'm not happy about, but I, I did do it. All right, supporting actress. I'm only going to say two are safe in Laura Dern and Margot Robbie, and I wish I could say J-Lo there. I'm going to pick J-Lo, and we'll get into this category more going forward, but too safe. Yeah, I think that's fair. I picked J-Lo as well. I think not calling her safe is, it's right. I mean, it's proper. I actually kept Scarlett Johansson off my JoJo, or from JoJo anyway, her JoJo Rabbit performance off my supporting actress ballot. She's going to have some favorites for lead actress, and if you're nominated twice in the same show, historically it has meant that you aren't a serious threat to win in either case, and I think there's going to be enough support behind her to actually win the lead actress trophy Mm. that people will support her there and kind of shy away from her supporting actress, trying kind of spreading the love while she's such a heavy favorite and lead actress, she could actually win the award. Let's spread out the nominee to somebody else. That's just reading the tea leaves and theorizing. You are a man of many arguments. How do you keep these... Cons- they're not consistent. Not a matter of principle. I'll just be honest with you. I will you change, just said- change my mind in 10 minutes. All right. Original screenplay has three safe bets, I think. Hollywood, Marriage Story, Parasite. Are you going the extra mile to say Knives Out is a fourth? I, I don't know that it's safe, but I have to for all the, the preamble I just gave you about Best Picture, so I definitely have it in there, yeah. Uh, can, what was that again? Did you make that? All right. <laughs> All right, so we're going to look at the undercard a little bit. Safe picks on the undercard for you. Yeah, there's other locks further down the card. Obviously, we've talked a lot about some of these. Roger Deakins for his cinematography. It may be the safest bet of any. Uh, Same for Hollywood's production design. Those two, along with Parasite's nomination and International Feature, which if Deakins isn't the favorite, then Parasite's nomination and International Feature uh, is certainly the favorite 
of any of these. Right. You've heard us mention all those before. Some lesser talked about locks down the card. Ford v. Ferrari for editing seems like a safe bet and likely both sound categories, as we kind of just alluded to. And much to my partner also, Mike Chagrin here, the Irishman's probably safe for VFX. It's a wide-ass chagrin yeah. as I <laughs> sign or co-sign the document because I agree with all those. I don't want the Irishman to get the VFX. I would love to be shocked. Yeah, I don't but blame I can I can read the room and I could see a lot of glasses on the top of your heads, not on because you can't see how bad these VFX are. They ruin. They almost ruin the movie. They don't. All right, I got a few more. I think 1917 in score, Agreed. at least for a nod, is is safe. I think Toy Story 4 and Frozen 2 in animated feature are both very very safe. I think Hollywood and Irishman in editing, and you said it in production design, but I think both are safe in production design. I gotta tell you. The Irishman, I didn't have in production design at first. It's the last thing I changed as far as really? a, an actual nomination on my ballot. Can somebody explain to me why Joker isn't considered a better bet than them? I think Joker The uses, trains with the graffiti, yeah, that, yeah. that stall, the bathroom he dances in, yeah. those stairs. I feel like there's far more iconic shots from Joker. I think they de-aged the city more for the Irishman you think than, so? the, than for Joker. There's a lot a lot more stuff on the walls. Yeah. All of the Teamsters decorations. There's more. I think there was more paraphernalia. There's definitely yeah. more in, in terms of everything from that movie, but there's more paraphernalia. Time. There's more period pieceness yeah. than Joker. Like you said, graffiti, yes. A couple of old cars from the 80s, 70s, whatever it's trying to be. I just rewatched it twice. I still don't know if it's 80s, 70s. It's to contemporary. I don't get Joker? it. Joker? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know either. That's a fair point. <laughs> 90s. Timeless. It's 2020. All right, so that's the safe bets we say with a... Hope and a prayer. No, I was going to say creaking voice, <laughs> like a ghost in the... No, it's safe. They're fine. It's Everything's fine. They're totally fine. Like, you can bet them. It's, it's uh, safe. Ghost in the closet. <laughs> I was going to... Wow, we are all over the place today. All right, but here we go. Who's getting snubbed? Question and number three. We're making picks here. Yeah, somebody great and best actress. Because we got Renee, we got Charlize, we got ScarJo that yeah. we're both picking, right? Yeah, they're they're all there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sir Ronan, we're both picking two. I have her in there as well. She right. is my fourth. But we're happy about Sir. Yes, very. And I'm happy about ScarJo, to be on the record here. I just watched Judy again. Renee Zellweger's very good in it. I guess it's nomination level good t to me. But it's such a wonky performance. It's so weird that I know Judy Garland was weird at the end of her life. I rewatched a whole video that my mother sent me <laughs> about the latter performances of Judy Garland. And okay, she's trying to give you latter era Judy Garland, drug addict Judy Garland, about to die Judy Garland with without the voice that's on the level of the rest of her life Judy Garland. I get it, but I still don't think it should be a runaway. I'll give you an easier argument than going into the films. I'm just, this is so disrespectful to say, but it's so I'm just bored by these choices. I mean, shorter Sersha, those top three, they don't excite me whatsoever. But here's the thing, like, in the middle of her career, when people didn't like her, I was still like, I love Renee Zellweger. I'm always going to love Renee Zellweger. You guys are jerks. I was saying that forever. <laughs> she's still Empire Records, Renee, to me. <laughs> now that she's back on top of the mountain, here I am being a contrarian. I just... Uh, What's wrong with me? Renee has made me bitter. Her going to win her second Oscar when it's just everybody's agreeing that Leo can't possibly do it because it's impossible yeah. to win a... That just made me very bitter. Because I think the couple of snubs in this category hurts us. My fifth is Cynthia Erivo, 
And that means I am snubbing Aquafina, mm. who has holes in her resume, and Lupita Nyong'o, which has many holes in her resume. And I'm just guessing that the Academy is just not going to watch these horror films. Yeah, well, I don't know about them watching horror films or not. I just, I fear you're right just uh, for other reasons. I picked Lapita, frankly, because Good. I wanted to, and I want something to look forward to in this category other than Saoirse. Uh, I don't think it matters ultimately. I think this is still going to be a default Renee or ScarJo like we kind of talked about already. I put Lapita in there. That Sagnon that she landed kind of out of nowhere just keeps gnawing at the back of my head. I don't have a big stat to back it up with. Uh, I, I'm hopeful. I'm basically just crossing my fingers. Now, this next snub by you is cruel, and the person you're putting in here is somebody I'm totally for. He's going to be in my top five at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm trying to win people back. You're trying to win people back, but you're trying to... You're trying to ruin a man's life at let's this point. Let's talk. The best of men. <laughs> let's talk about no argument there. The supporting actor category. <laughs> I told you I'd have more to say about it. My five. Brad Pitt. It's his category to lose. Joe Pesci and Al Pacino. I have in there. I do have Anthony Hopkins from the Two Popes. Wow. I have Kang Ho Song as my fifth, and I don't have Tom Hanks in this category. Hanks after. Coming up against it and getting snubbed year after year after year. Well, that's playing into why I'm predicting him to miss. Look, all I know about this category for certain is that the Irishman's going to have two noms and Brad Pitt's going to be on the top. I can see a world in which Parasite wins over the actor's branch. And for as much shit as I've given the movie overall this year and genuinely don't think it can win certain categories, I'm not foolish enough to think it won't have a solid base of support within the Academy mm -hmm. all the same. Mm -hmm. I've said previously that if Parasite finds its way into an acting nomination, then the Best Picture race is over. I don't really believe that anymore. I just, I'm too sold on the idea that when it comes to Best Picture, there's too many of the Elder Academy in there that's going to keep it from winning Best Picture. So I think it can get an acting nomination while still not winning Best Picture. So I put Kang Ho Song in there. Okay. Why is Hanks not in there? Yeah. Because like you said, he seems like a sure bet. Uh, one of my favorite stats I've come up with all year long was that the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, has gotten supporting actor, the category with the five noms and the winner, the exact same as the Oscars this past decade, the exact same number of times as we've had a supporting actor land Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, and SAG noms, but miss the Oscars. Each of those things has happened three times apiece in the past ten years. So I'm so confused by that. Predict <laughs> predicting a Hank snub would be predicting a rarity is basically what it means. All right. Got but it. Hanks has been wronged by the Academy before. You said this already. He's the lone name to be denied nomination as a lead actor, despite mm -hmm. landing every major precursor lead actor nom and his film being nominated for Best Picture back in 2013 with Captain Phillips. His previous three performances, other than Captain Phillips, which have all gotten him either Critics' Choice or Golden Globe noms, or both, the Post, Sully, Charlie Wilson's War, they all left him without a nomination on Oscar Sunday as well. For some reason, the Academy has spared using Hanks as quote-unquote category filler, mm -hmm. a nomination that doesn't really have a shot at winning. For the most part, his last nomination was in 2001, and he was a serious threat for Castaway. He ended up losing to Maximum Crow himself for Gladiator. So you could kind of make the same argument about Anthony Hopkins. I get that. So basically call that a hunch that Hopkins is going to finish at the top of more Oscar ballots than Hanks because Hanks seems to be someone that the Academy's avoided the last 10 plus years. It's very strange that that happened after his 1990s. But then again, you know, he had great 1990s. He was there every mm. year. I was kind of rereading re what you wrote while you were saying it. <laughs> So basically, Hanks got Choice Globe SAG. Yes. 
whoever gets those in the past decade, it's only happened three times that they've missed or that they've missed three times. It's only happened three times in the past decade. You've gotten Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, SAG noms, and not made the Oscar fields as a supporting actor. Okay, so this exception, Mike, has happened three times. Yes. And this other seven years, it has not happened. Correct. Well, yeah, it's other, other, every other nominee, not just the seven Every years. other nominee yeah. in the other ten years. Yes, correct. In seven years, nothing happened. <laughs> right. I don't 60% of the time, it works, it works every time. <laughs> I really wanted to put Kang Ho Song in here. I really, really did. And I do think Parasite could surprise us with that Marina D. Tavira coattails nomination. Yeah. It really shouldn't be a coattails nomination because I had the sneaking suspicion on her last year. I'm on the record for it. I really wanted her to get in uh, well before right, yeah. when we were reviewing Roma. And this year, I said the same thing about Kang Ho Song. I said the same thing about Yeo Jong Jo from that film. I do think the SAG nomination for best ensemble shows that the acting community in this country loves that movie that they love parasite and and the cast of that movie yeah you're echoing a lot of stuff that went into my thought process here quite frankly but i still don't see any of the resumes and the problem that i run up against consistently is that the other resumes are so darn strong so they like are. you're saying, it takes like a Tom Hanks getting snubbed. How can you snub him again? The man did his nicest, happiest role in the history of mankind, Mike. He had a lamb puppet on his finger. Mr. Rogers, I don't, how do you snub him? I don't disagree. It could just be as simple as, well, I don't have to vote for it. I'm going to vote for the guy from Parasite because everyone else will vote for Tom Hanks. And then you get enough of those people that just assume somebody else is going to do it. All right. So it happened. You did it. Yeah. You can't undo it. I'm predicting it. You've snubbed Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I have all those guys in. I'm not happy about it. I guess I've snubbed Kang Ho Song. All right, I do want to talk about some potential snubs because I want to talk about categories that I feel are going to get weird. Okay. And I know you got some too. Yeah, I, look, I tried to find like interesting snubs on my ballot. The the closest I got was was underdogs that I really wanted to put in mm-hmm. from more taking spots for more established movies, but I, I ultimately this. decided against it. Animated feature. There's precedent for the Globe's animated feature winner not showing up as a nominee on Oscar Sunday. It happened with The Adventures of Tintin in 2011. I went back and forth as to whether I wanted to predict that happening for a second time this year and leave out The Missing Link in favor of Claws from Netflix. I didn't do it. I put The Missing Link in my animated feature because every Leica film thus far has been nominated for animated feature, so there's that familiar already there with the Academy. I really wanted to find a space for Portrait of a Lady on Fire in either cinematography or original screenplay. I just couldn't do it. It's another at the tip of my tongue. Yeah. I'm almost saying it. I'm almost changing everything right now to say it. Yeah. But I can't do it either. I really wanted to. I'm a coward. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I think, you know, you can be a coward by association, I guess. Yeah, I guess you have to be. Sorry. Because I went strong. I, I did not expect that to be a thing about me, but okay. I Well... <laughs> If I, call, I now it is All right, Adele Heinel. I think she's a great actress. I've loved her for years. I've loved her work for years, and I think Celine Shiama. I've loved her work for years as well. I mean, I, she's someone I've watched back in you know film school, back in college, and I just think the world of her work. So 
I do think she's got that track record. I do think Kang Ho Song has got that track record from South Korean films that have been good since the early 2000s. They've been great since the early 2000s. So I'm rooting for them to rock the boat, to show up out of nowhere. So if we get any out of nowhere, you know, snubs and surprises, that's what I want to see happen. But I'm too much of a coward to pick them. <laughs> it's tough. Like you said, there's a lot of people with a lot of great resumes in those acting categories. Yeah. You, you got to, if you're going to pick an up that you got to just hold tight to it and go. And finally, the farewell. I really wanted to pick uh, Shuzen Zhao. Yeah. I wanted to pick Aquafina so bad. I wanted yeah. to pick Lulu Wong for, for best original screenplay. And I didn't. Yeah, I left the farewell out too. I just heard rumors that A24 was kind of pulling some su- campaign support, that they're going behind Uncut Gems more so. And I, I got cold feet. It's sad. I'm with you. I would have loved to see those. And maybe they still do. I, I was. I just couldn't find room for them myself. And hopefully we can be wrong about those. If we're wrong about anything, uh, I would love to see the farewell show up. My favorite underdog I was trying to sneak in. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't do it. I was trying to find a way for Apollo 11 or Shazam to get into one of the sound categories. Uh, and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't pull the trigger. The only other snub I could really come up with was as much as I advocate for Joker in production design, but ended up leaving it off in favor of the Irishman. I, I have Joker missing editing because unless someone can tell me why it's a better edited film than Jojo Rabbit, I, I'm okay with it missing. Oh yeah, that's true. I wanted to put Jojo Rabbit in there. I actually went with Joker. Well, they, I mean, yeah, it's one of those two. So it seems it's like. just because I'm reading a room kind mm-hmm. of thing. But they're both they both have strong cases there. That's okay. a tough one. I believe you. I just think Parasite's <laughs> going to get in there. I agree. I have that as well. And remember that middle montage yep. the, for that movie. I mean, that was really, really strong. There's good montage in JoJo, too. I mean, I know editing's more than that, but montage is showy. Best montage. All right. <laughs> Question number four. Who's going to surprise? Yeah, so we're going to read some headlines that we think are going to uh, pop up if our nominations come to fruition, and then we're going to uh, explain why we feel that way. The first one, Michael, is that we're going to take our stand on director number five. We have different choices for this. Yeah, I changed mine. I so, I'm so mad that I changed it. I, I, but I, I hear guilt right now speaking through me, and I have to tell the people I changed. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Fair I cut enough. you off. I am a coward again. That's a good tease. Here's my justification. 24 Gold Derby experts have updated their top five since the Globes this past Sunday. All 24 have the big four. We talked about Tarantino, Mendez, Marty Scorsese, Bong Joon-ho. For the fifth slot, 12 of those 24 have Gerwig, five have Taika Waititi, four have Todd Phillips, two have Noah Baumbach, and one has Pedro Almodovar. So this is saying that the experts, quote-unquote, don't know what they're doing. They're quite divided. Since the Directors Guild Association started having five noms for its Outstanding Directing Feature Award in 1970, they've only managed to hit all five Oscar Best Director noms five times. Hmm. So I'm going to guess that trend keeps up. I'm going to take Taika Waititi out of the DGA top five. I'm putting Greta Gerwig as my fifth nom for director. So I can't go with Gerwig. I just I just can't do it as much as I want to because as a film critic, she's in my top five, mm-hmm. and I've been on the record for this, you know, for the last month. Uh, as an Oscars pundit, I think it's got to be Taika. It's got to be Todd Phillips. And after wrestling with it all week, I just think. I just think they're going to screw it up in a way. I like the work that Taika Waititi and Todd Phillips did. Don't get me wrong. I I don't think she's just going to come out of nowhere late and break that hard. 
I, so I'm going to go with Taika Waititi. So you're taking the DGA 5. I'll take the DGA 5. I do think there's a large DGA crossover. It's been pretty close over the years. Yeah. I know you said the stat. It's only happened five times. They've they been quite predictive, five. though, otherwise, yeah. I'm going to go with it. Fair enough. Another I hate, story. I hate myself. I just <laughs> don't like myself. Sorry. Another story we talked about. Uh, I said how Parasite kind of needs technical noms to show any signs of life that failed to land any at the BAFTAs. I'm going to say Parasite has a pulse. I don't think Parasite enters Oscar Sunday without a chance to win Best Picture. And I've certainly done all I can for it in my noms, all right, Parasite fans? Yeah, you have. <laughs> and you probably did a little more than me because I think there's four safe nominees. There's International Feature Picture, Director Screenplay, right? Agree. Oh, Those are happening. I gave it production design and editing. I don't think that's a surprise necessarily, but it's a surprise for you. And that's why you led this segment here, because you did not want to do this. <laughs> you wanted the you wanted your argument to be proven. You wanted it to be done with by now. Yeah. And you're going to prolong it. Yeah, I'm giving it a shot. So everyone get off my back. All right? I, I have it as editing. I think editing is probably the safer, better the two. I don't think production design is necessarily a slam dunk, but I fit it in there nonetheless. So I did give it uh, two technical nominations. I was going to give it a third, or I guess kind of, original song's kind of technical, but I was going to give a Glass of Soju as well, but I, I, at the last second, took that out in exchange for Glasgow from Wild Rose. Oh, I'm glad about that. I have Glasgow in there as well. Parasite built a house. They built a house for that movie. Yeah. And that was a very it's intricate impressive. house. Very impressive. So production design makes some sense. We mentioned the montage for the editing. So my editing, I have Ford v. Ferrari. I just think that's a technical monument. Agree. Uh, Hollywood Irishman Joker Parasite. That's what I have for editing. Now, best actor, we both got a surprise in that five spot. Yeah, my headline is that Bobby D makes the best actor field, and this is nothing Ow. but a hunch. I don't know. I, I Frankly, that's my answer. This is just me prognosticating off of essentially nothing because this should probably be bail or price right based yes. on the punditry solutions that yes. we usually do and talk about resume that's who should probably get it thinking about it just on terms of where people have shown up it makes sense to me mm. that the baftas like the two popes and vote for price it makes sense to me that the globes who have a history with bail like christian bail and like the racing movie and and vote for christian bail and damn it it makes sense that the american academy likes to vote for bobby de niro and he's the first name under scott feinberg's top five he's the first major threat which doesn't make any sense if you go by precursors because he hasn't shown up enough yeah so that to me suggests that Mr. Feinberger talks to all these wonderful people has gotten a sense that Robert De Niro has been talked about enough by enough people. Well, that's a better argument I ever thought possible, Mike. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about Bobby De Niro again. I thought that was long gone. Yeah, me so too. So if he shows up, I'll pat you on the head because your back is bad. Thank right. you. <laughs> My fifth best actor is another throwback because throughout most of the year, Antonio Banderas has been high on everybody's list. He was kind of understood there for a while uh, from Pain and Glory, and then he kind of fell off. And yeah. his momentum subsided. But I do think this movie is out there. It's been out there long enough at film festivals. It's on that it streaming. It has its fans, for sure. It's on that streaming service. The people who've seen it, they love it. Yeah. So I do think 
the Academy goes for that understated, that slow burn of a performance. I think they love a man who's sick and phys- like physically ill sick, Yeah, like this character is. They do. I think they love a long, illustrious career that's finally breaking into this award show after being like a movie star for a while. He gives this huge, dramatic performance. And he's been knocking on the door for a while. He has. Let's, let's be honest with you. So there's a narrative there. Everything's there for this movie if they've seen it. I don't know if enough people have seen it, but I'm just I, I'm gonna go with this. This will be one of my happier picks on the day. Antonio Banderas, number five spot. What a year we're talking about the likes of Antonio Banderas and Robert De Niro and Jonathan Price as all people that may I mean, we said best. all year best actor has been absolutely loaded and it's nice to see that coming from Murphy. Yeah, tremendous. It hasn't he haven't even mentioned Murphy's name so far? Yeah, that's a great point. Another headline for me going to supporting actress. I got two Margos in the supporting actress category. Wow. Taking a page out of the Baptist playbook here, I'm going with this. This is a combination of Oscar puzzle theory in that people are going to vote for Hollywood in surprising places, I think. Once upon a time in Hollywood, that is. And also, what I pitched earlier about the support for ScarJo, pushing her towards the lead actress... Kind of a perfect storm. It's a, it's a relatively weak year for supporting actress in comparison to recent years. Combined with Margot Robbie playing two parts in liberal-leaning movies or liberal parts at least mm-hmm. the scar joe conspiracy theory well, i think she's going to get support for best actress i ended up with uh, margot robbie twice in supporting actress i have dern j-lo florence Pugh from little woman and two margos from bombshell and once upon a time in hollywood so if there's like a voting oddity right that happened at the baftas and that could cross over to the oscars there's not enough time to fix it in the voting body because the voting body at the Academy Awards did not know about the BAFTA nominations when most, if not all of them, I forget, it's like a day yeah, off was, or whatever. Short, yeah, the timeline is very short between the two uh, deadlines there. So that would allow this theory to happen. And when somebody is a nom, I said this before, when somebody makes two nominees at the same show, it's category filler. I don't know another way to say yeah. it right now. And Margot is probably not going to be a serious contender for the Supporting Actress Trophy. So it would make sense that she's in there twice. I think it would be a mistake for that to happen because I think you're snubbing people that you know had good years. And I, I wanted to put Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, quite right. frankly. I right. just I don't think it has the support. Alright, well let me round out my five there. I have Laura Dern, J-Lo, and Margot Robbie from Bombshell. I do think, in a strange way, that Scarlett Johansson's going to get in still. Makes a lot of sense. And Florence Pugh has the best resume of the rest. Yeah. Got in that BAFTA nom, I think, certainly helped her. Nicole Kidman's right there. Susan Zhao has Critics' Choice. I'd be, I'd be rooting for, for another nominee. And I, I this is another category I don't think the Oscars are going to get it right in, in terms of how I see it, but... That is what it is. That's, That's how it usually predicting. breaks down, right? Isn't it? We're going to be here Monday morning screaming into our microphones. How could they have done this? All right, well, we do have a, an original screenplay surprise. Yeah, I, this headline, 1917, could either be in big trouble or poised to, for an 88-year-long upset. I don't have 1917 making the original screenplay field. Uh, I know it landed the Writers Guild Association original screenplay nom, but... Not a BAFTA original screenplay nom. I'm theorizing simply that because Booksmart was able to land both of those nominations, it's 1917, like we've theorized here before, and not Booksmart, like I originally thought, that was the replacement WGA nom for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was ineligible for WGA consideration. But the history-making part comes into play should 1917 miss the original screenplay category, but win Best Picture. How about this, Mike? Only two films have ever won Best Picture without any acting or screenplay noms. 
the first best picture ever in Wings from 1927. <laughs> and the most recent example was best picture winner Grand Hotel in 1932. So this probably doesn't happen. So Well, in other words, a film hasn't won Best Picture without an acting or screenplay nom with it since only 15 years after actually 1917. <laughs> That's the type of precedent and odds 1917 is up against if it fails to land nomination in original screenplay because we don't think it's going to land an acting nomination. Shoutouts to Stacey Callister and Clayton Davis, our buddy of Ward Circuit there from Twitter, kind of combining on that stat as well. But I don't have it in the original screenplay category. I put Booksmart over it. Am I wrong? I don't think so, Mike. And I don't think that... 1917 is going to find that actor nod either. I mean, George McKay, where yeah. is he getting in? I mean... I did consider putting him instead of Robert De Niro. I, I did, but I, I couldn't. I, I, I just couldn't do it. can't do it. So I'm going with Booksmart 2, and it's a belligerent pick because I want it to be right. there. And I, you had a couple of those. I have a couple of... I have one of those right now. Booksmart is one of the top five best original screenplays on the year. I'm putting it there. It's got the precursors, so I can pick it, right? I'm picking it. Good. Good for you, and good for me, and good for us. New Academy. Pick it. <laughs> I'm with you. It's my fifth as well there for original screenplay. Uh, something that's going to help you, Mike, and you're going to love this. Headline. Honeyland shouts its way to multiple noms. Multiple? Yeah, I genuinely think Honeyland finds itself nominated in the doc feature category, a documentary feature. So where's this other nom coming from? Look, one of my greatest Oscars predictions ever was predicting Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405 and Kobe's Dear Basketball would win documentary short and animated short in their given years, respectively. Specifically because I theorize the Academy doesn't actually see all the nominees. Mm. I'm using the same logic here. I know voting for nominations and voting for winners are very different, uh, different birds entirely, but Atlantics is easily available on Netflix and Honeyland is the only other name on the shortlist with Buzz... Do you get it? Oh God! It's a B joke. <laughs> so I have I have Honeyland being a, a, a international feature pick and a documentary feature pick. I have Atlantic's an international feature pick. And I also, for the same line of thinking, I have knocked down the house as my fifth documentary feature pick because it's on Netflix. Wow! I did go with Honeyland in my documentary five. I changed that lately. I put Midnight Family in there too. I've seen a lot of people have that. And I and I went with Apollo Eleven. I went with American Factory, and I went with For Sama, which I. Actually, have winning the category at the moment. I put Four Sama in my documentary feature category as well. I did Apollo Eleven, American Factory, Four Sama, Honeyland, and Knocked on the House. Uh, we're saying all this. Of course, Apollo Eleven is not going to be nominated. We've pounded the table all year, and it's just not going to happen, is it? They're going to do it to us again, aren't they? They're going to do it to us oh, again. Sons probably. Of no, I don't know. Maybe no. I'm, I'm, we're going to predict it, but I'm going to say the other thing so we can reference back to both. Right? You got a few more surprises though, Mike. Cats. It's going to sneak into costume design. No, I'm just kidding. But Little Women and The Irishman are going to end up displaced, I predict. <laughs> Dolomite, Downton Abbey, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocketman are the nominees for the Costume Designer Guild's Excellence in Period Piece Film Award. This is the main costume design guild. But it's important to note that the award has rarely accounted for more than three noms in the Oscars category for costume design. And it's never accounted for all five noms. So picking those five might be a little foolish. I'm going Dolomite, Jojo Rabbit, Hollywood. Hollywood, Rocket Man, and the most surprising nom, maybe on my card, is I'm putting Judy for a costume design knob. Why am I putting Judy over Little Woman and the Irishman? 
I did a lot of research into the costume design category, Mike. This is the last deep dive I'm going to give you guys today. 11 films in the past 10 years have ended up in Oscars nom for costume design without landing a nomination in the Costume Designer Guild Award show, which is notable because that guild has three major categories covering contemporary film, period film, and fantasy sci-fi film, meaning they have 15 major nominees for their biggest prize per year. Of those 11 times, six of those outlier were films nominated by one, if not both, of the Critics' Choice and BAFTAs. But the other five of those 11, or almost half the time it happens, it's a nominee that just shows up on Oscar Sunday. Mm. I say all that to say this. The two films nominated at the Critics' Choice and or BAFTAs that don't show up on the Guild Award noms this year are Judy and the Irishman. So precedent suggests we're getting one of those two as an Oscars nom or something not mentioned yet at all for costume design. I don't know. Honey Boy, Us, The Nightingale, one of those types of movies. As for The Irishman and Judy, I genuinely think you can make a strong case for either. I did the very scientific and exact practice of flipping a coin, and it came with Judy. <laughs> so I went with Judy. <laughs> you ruined my life. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> Those are art surprises. My costume design category is boring. I have the Irishman and Little Women in there. How but dare you? <laughs> those are surprises. Now let's talk tallies. Let's talk tallies because overall it does matter at the end of the day. How many nominations they get helps it, right? We've seen the color purples. We've seen the favorites get a million nominations and not win them all. But we've also seen large-scale sweeps. Yeah, it's an indicator, if nothing else, of the most critically acclaimed, most powerfully uh, Mm -hmm. associated with the Academy film of the year, certainly. And again, the exceptions speak loudly throughout history. All right, so who are your top two? Mine are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman. I echo yours, and I have them in that order. I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood getting 12 nominees up and down my card. I have The Irishman getting 10. So I have two double-digit noms. I have both getting 11. So we have them sharing 22 nominees between the both of us. That's pretty funny. I think one of them probably winds up with a few shorter, one or two shorter, because I don't think both of them will be high up there. I, I don't know. Uh, yes, obviously, predicting anything to get double-digit noms is, is a big guess. Of all the research I did do, I didn't go back and look through how many times we've had multiple films Shame get double-digit noms. Shame on I you. failed. Just give me enough. This was a terrible <laughs> Costume practice. Costume design deep dive um, <laughs> that wound up to flipping a coin. But you didn't... No, I'm kidding. I'm uh, not even going to reveal these results. Uh, but if nothing else, these are the two films that kind of seem to be the compromise picks for this year. They seem to be the most middle of the road. I'm amazed I'm saying that about a Martin Scorsese and a Quentin Tarantino movie, by the way. But they seem to be the most in line with if the Academy members are going to find something to put in their top three for a lot of categories, it's going to be one of these two movies. Look, it just happened at the BAFTAs that it was Joker, though. So you you never know that a Joker or 1917 might shock us and be the the winning... uh, Nom getter at the end of the day, probably not though. Those are uh, that you just mentioned, Joker and 1917. In that order, I have Joker surprisingly getting nine noms. I didn't wow. think it would be that high. And 1917 is my fourth highest. I have that getting eight noms. I have 1917 getting nine. I'm giving it things that I don't think it deserves, like makeup and hair. <laughs> both, I mean, both sounds it probably deserves. Production design, maybe. How is it gonna? I almost put it in makeup and hair too. So I'm not mad at you. I just don't understand why it's being considered there. They're all wearing helmets. Well, there's got to be a lot of wounds. Yeah, that's how the blood, maybe. Yeah. But Joker, I actually talked myself out of some, and I'm only giving it once 
sound. I'm giving it regular editing. I am giving it makeup and hair. I am giving it original score. I, I, I talk myself out of some others, though. So those are our top four. Number five, I got a four-way tie, and this is not going to be the case. I would be shocked if this is the case. But I'm going to say Parasite is my number five with six knobs. I have Parasite as my number five. It's the lone movie that I have seven noms for. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I have more noms for Parasite than you do. The supporting <laughs> actor thing comes into play there, I imagine. Yeah. But I echo what you say because my I have three films tied for sixth most noms, all with six noms apiece. So are, we're very similar. Are they perhaps Marriage Story? Yes. Jojo Rabbit? Yes. And Little Women? Correct. Oh my God. <laughs> We have very similar belts, which is, I, I made a point not to, you were done before I was, I made a point not to stare at yours. So that's pretty funny that we're kind of coming on the uh, the same places here, at least as far as totals go. So all three of them could wind up getting more noms, if we can be honest about that. I mean, one of them might be a darling that we don't know about. More or less, I would say. Little Woman could be in danger of missing Best Picture. You know, it could go both ways there. If you had to guess, if you had to break this tie right now, well, how would you power rank those? Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, Little Woman. Jojo Rabbit would be first. Really? Little, little. I think so. I just think it's such a cute movie, and it's so inoffensive, and it's Disney powered somehow. Yeah, I, I don't understand somehow how cute because I could see Taika Waititi landing a supporting actor nom. I don't have him in my director's guild, mm -hmm. so, uh, my director's nom, I should say. So I could, I think that's that's first. I guess I would put Marriage Story second, and I don't like putting Little Woman third in that list. But I could see Little Woman losing noms before I can see Marriage Story yeah. losing the noms I gave it. So I'll play devil's advocate here, though, because. Jojo Rabbit was something I had to convince myself of in a few categories. It that's dipped. interesting. I felt like I was taking away from it, and you really? felt like you had to convince it. Yeah. It dipped down to four at one point, and I was oh, like, wow. that's too low for me. I have to give it more, so I talked myself back into production design and costumes. It's a, something I don't want it to get. I don't I, understand it either. I have it there. Yeah, costumes is the one I, I quabble with most, to use our words. Marriage Story has a bunch of big nominees, mm -hmm. and if Marriage Story has a good day, it's going to get more than original score, right? I mean, because it's involved with editing. It's involved with a bunch more. I feel that way as well. So I would probably power rank Marriage Story at the top. Little Women, in terms of my taste... Should I'm with you get more I'm with at the you. end of the day? If it didn't come out so late in the game, if it had more time to build consensus, maybe it would definitely get more. But I have a costumes original score as the technical noms, and I do have a getting picture actress, supporting actress, adapted screenplay. So six, that, but it should get more. So I'll power rank Jojo Rabbit on the bottom. That would be an interesting deep dive to do in an interesting case study because I've had that theory for a while. Christmas releases, I think, yeah. hurt. More so than they help, as far as Oscars consideration goes. We've talked about the studios prioritizing box office over any kind of awards chase anyway. So, But I, 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 I'm with you. If Little Women, I feel like, I know it's a Christmas movie, but if it just came out in October or late October, yeah. I feel like it would be, have a better chance. Well, it'll be cool stuff for the website eventually. When we do get that up, <laughs> we can do year-round deep dives into various well, speak, Oscar categories. Speaking of other Christmas releases that I don't, I think were hurt by their release, I don't have a nom for Uncut Gems. I know, me neither. I feel awful about it. I really want. I loved it. I, I, I personally, I know I have a higher personal opinion of it than the grade is. We wrote our review yeah. a while back, and we haven't I put haven't it found, into haven't an episode. Had a chance. We haven't had a chance. Too much big stuff is happening, and we're pushing the pushing the candle at both ends. We're pushing the candle <laughs> off the bedside, relating the house is on fire. The house is on fire. <laughs> All right, Ford v Ferrari is up next for me. I have it getting four editing, cinematography, and then the two sounds. I have five noms for Ford v Ferrari, and it is my, I guess, my ninth. 
five, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight. Yeah, my ninth on my list right now. I thought I had another one with five noms. I do not. I have one with four noms after it, but Ford V Ferrari has five. Your four plus picture. I have Star Wars Next, VFX, sound mixing and editing, and then original score. You talked me into Star Wars. I was only going to keep it two. I didn't give it a score nom. I was only going to give it one sound category. I was going to give VFX in a sound category. Mm-hmm. You talked me into a third one because I saw you with four, and I was I went back and looked at the history of Star Wars. I was like, well, if The Last Jedi, which seemed to be more polarizing, I don't know if it was more polarizing, but it seemed to be more polarizing in critics' communities, mm-hmm, at least. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a third. <laughs> But, but it's my 12. I actually have Ford v. Ferrari with five. I have Rocketman with four, Bombshell, and Judy with three each. And then Star Wars with three as well. So you went costumes for Rocketman. That's right. Correct. I did not go costumes for Rocketman. We both did makeup and hair for Rocketman. Yes. And we got it getting actor and song. So I went three for Rocketman. And I also went three for Bombshell. The same three as you. Actress, supporting actress, and makeup. Okay, going into the Dua nominee section... <laughs> To Two Popes, Pain and Glory, Judy, Frozen 2, and Harriet. Got two nominees apiece for me. I agree with Frozen 2. I agree with The Two Popes. I also have the aforementioned Knives Out and Honeyland with two each. And I have The Lion King, VFX, and Original Song getting two as well. Oh, you did go. I just don't like that song enough. I I don't either. (laughs) But it's Beyonce. (laughs) I like how I blamed you. I blamed you immediately. You wrote that song, right? (laughs) There's a ton of nominees also that only got one nomination each. You can go through our, again, God willing, our our picks online for all our categories that we did pick. I think I had something like 37 movies total represented for 110 nominations. Quickly just touching on notable omissions, Mike. I said Uncut Gems didn't make any of my field as well. We talked about The Farewell. Do you have anything else notable that you kind of missed out on? The farewell, like That's I really so sad, isn't I wanted it? to give the farewell a bunch of things, and I gave it nothing, and I, I hope it gets a lot. So I'm rooting for the farewell. I'm Are you rooting... spooked out by the indie spirit thing with Aquafina? Is that like the absolutely? Big, yeah, but I, me too. I'm more weirded out by the fact that A24 might have pulled their support. Like I said, it's a good it, point. That buzz t- typically makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is another movie I couldn't find a place for at the moment, so I'm rooting for it. I hope it finds its way in. Look, I mean, we're going to do category reviews coming up where we're going to talk about our snubs. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. our fives for every category. We're going to do the Mike, Mike, and Oscars coming up even further, like right around the Oscar time, either right before or right after, uh, where you guys give us categories, where we'll pick the Oscar categories, where we'll give you our fives on the year. And I know we've hinted at a lot of them, but that that's a fun show where we can finally – Set the record straight. Damn right. And put like Midsummer, put us on there, put these awesome We'll give you the real awards is what the Mike, Mike, and Oscars do. It's the ultimate course correction. It's the only award show, frankly, you need to listen to. That's correct. I mean, we'll cover the Oscars for you. Just listen to us. Go to bed early. That's it. No, obviously, please watch the Oscars (laughs) and please listen to us. But yeah, so the Mike, Mike, and Oscars are forthcoming. We also have all these category reviews. Guys, most importantly, we want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about our nominations, about our rationale. God help any of you that come for us saying why did you nominate this if we already gave it an 18 minute explanation on this episode i will be yelling in all caps on twitter if any of you do that but i'm just i'm letting you know that ahead of time that's what's that's what friends are for but we want to hear your thoughts comments questions concerns about anything here about any of our nominees and about anything else we cover here in the mmo universe you can leave us those as always we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially apple podcasts so if you happen to use Apple Podcasts, either the app or on your iPhone, if you wouldn't mind tapping on that on your phone, that little purple square with the white, a 
Academy Awards sticking out of the middle of it. <laughs> tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search. Tap on our logo when it pops up. Scroll down once and you could see the opportunity to leave us five stars. It truly would mean a lot to us if my hours of research meant anything to you today. And the research Mike did as well meant anything to you today. Uh, if you could please leave us a five-star review, those truly mean a lot. Uh, Michael, you already kind of told the people what's coming next, but how about some words of wisdom, some nice, shiny, comforting words of wisdom that we can all embrace during the season of madness? We were manic today, maybe a little extra manic even for our taste because we're, we're out there, we're nervous. <laughs> we uh, we reek of desperation. Correct. And I think... Soy and sauce. I, and I hope... <laughs> I hope that that's because we care so much. And so if you put up with our insanity today, I don't even know how the episode's going to play. Bottom line <laughs> is I don't know what just happened. I hope it's good. I hope it's fun, crazy radio. I am rattled right now because I think I have a lot of anxiety about picking these things. We haven't been necessarily a prediction podcast. We've been more of the film study podcast. So this is not necessarily our bag, even though we want to do more and more of it going forward. I'm going to go out on a limb and yeah. say I am now the most qualified expert in the costume design category <laughs> Are you really? because I've done more research on it than anybody in human history. So <laughs> the coin. take that to the bank. <laughs> As always, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies, these award shows, and have fun predicting these things of the like with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Thank you for listening. We want to hear your predictions, too. We'll see you soon. See you.